Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 582 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we'll be having a chat with Kev Crook from Lotus Wolf Events, all about some of the paranormal activities that he investigates. We'll have a chat with Rose Cook Monk about her brand new exhibition of work in a museum dedicated to the life and times of Duncan Edwards, of course, who passed away in the Munich air crash. We'll be having a chat with Chris Commander about all things Shakespeare and some of the online projects that he's been working on during lockdown. We'll be joined by Diabolus in Musicus Paul Baker, talking about the fantastic instruments that he makes and also about his musical performances. We'll be nattering with Maria Billington from the Gattis Community Space about the work that they're doing that includes the Real Junk Food Project. And we'll have a natter as well with Al Dawkins of Canic Sound Hire and Stagemen, talking about the plight of the industry at the moment when it comes down to live performance sound and the teams behind the scenes who may not be getting the same sort of support as has been seen for some of the venues. That's all coming up on the show this week. Somebody who puts more than her fair share of work into parts of the community in this city, along with the rest of the family, is Maria Billington, who joins me now for a chat. Hello. Hello, Jason. How are we doing? All right. Glad it's the weekend, to be fair. Well, absolutely. That all helps. Uh, but, I mean, you are keeping very busy. What with being ambassador for several things, all the work you do at Gattis, and so much more besides. Give us, give us a rundown of, of, of what's happening at the moment. Um, right, so Gattis at the moment, um, it's it's been difficult the past few months. Yeah, obviously. I can imagine. Um, but we've focused our work into the Real Junk Food Project. Um, so the surplus food market that we did have was turned into a box delivery system for people who were shielding or, um, you know, were, were having to take time off work and what have you. So currently we're delivering a maximum of 150 boxes a week. Now that takes some organisation itself. And, and to be fair, I know you can do that uh, and then some. But equally, the, the, the effort that must go into this is huge. And uh, with the team at Gattis, uh, having been down there for your Queen's Award last year, it is, it's such a great group of people, isn't it? It's fantastic, yes. And actually, I can't really take credit for, for this project um, the, the credit really has to go to Steve Pultney. Um He's the one that's managing it. He's the one that's coordinating all the volunteers and the drivers and the pickups and the food. Um, I'm just there to shore him up and make sure he's got some money at the end of the day. <laughs> but that, that in itself, though, I say the, the Real Junk Food Project has been doing some, some great stuff. And I, I mean, I've, I've seen things pop up. I've shared some of the, uh, the links. And this allows people to pick up, and it has been at, uh, yeah, when you've been on site at low cost, uh, some, some great food that would have gone to waste otherwise. Yeah, yeah, all, all, of, all the food that we have um, through the project would have ended up in landfill. And actually when you see what comes through, it's, it's horrific, mm -hmm. absolutely horrific. Things that might have been slightly mislabeled or just stuff that's run at the end of the line and it's not enough to put out on the shelves. Um, the amount of bread and bakery produce we have every week is, yeah, um, 
things like crates of, of fruit, but maybe one item's gone mouldy in there, they have to reject the whole box. And it's obviously done for a reason, but it just doesn't seem to make sense for those of us who are right thinking. But to you know, the advantage of those who are getting these products, actually, yeah. you know, we, we, we can't complain too much. And it's a weird world we live in, but let's well, take advantage of this oddness sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, the project really for us is about learning about food waste. Um, the benefits of it is that on a pay-as-you-feel basis, um, so we only ask for donations, um, towards what people think it's worth or what they can afford to pay. Um, it, it really sort of it brings home um, about people, you know, what are you doing with it at home as well? So it's it's part, part education as well as reusing stuff. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, it gives you the chance to create food from some brilliant ingredients and have something that's healthier and fresher as well. So uh, chances are, if something would have sat on a, a supermarket shelf for a week, it got rejected a lot earlier, actually. Uh, so you're probably getting fresher produce in some cases because it's a, these end of line or these oddities. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes we do, yeah. Um, recently, there we had a load of broccoli, um, and I think that would have probably gone into some catering that's probably been shut. Mm. And it was absolutely beautiful. But there was cases and cases and cases and cases of it. So... <laughs> Yeah, just make for interesting meals, I'll say that. Yeah, I'm partial to a bit of broccoli. I'll have to, I'll have to uh, see if I can nip down at some point next time you've got that one happening. But, I mean, this is all just part of the work that Gattis do. And, uh, it, obviously, is, is the site able to open in any way at all at the moment? Okay, so at the moment, we've been looking long and hard about how we can open up site. Um, another issue we actually have at the moment is... Um, we're getting some building work through the council done on site mm. and actually some of the play equipment has had to be removed because it's no longer safe. So we're actually in a process of um, actually improving the site at the same time, mm -hmm. which makes for areas that are not usable currently. So what we've decided this year, this summer, is unfortunately we're not going to be opening to the public um, for the usual family play sessions. Uh, but we do have, we're, we're currently allowing Bernardo's to work from site um, for disabled kids. Mm -hmm. um, so they're coming in a couple of days a week at the moment and working from a circus tent in the grounds, which is lovely. Um, but we also, we have got, we've got two exclusive sessions on site. Um, one Friday this week, and I think it's Tuesday next week, when we've got our wonderful storyteller, John Edgar is doing an exclusive for a very few amount of people only mm. um, live storytelling sessions on site um, that's that's pre-bookable through Eventbrite and Facebook um, uh, events um, and we have been toying we've got the nine-hole golf course crazy golf course out at yeah. the moment um, but we're struggling to find um, enough hands to man it um, for pre-booked sessions. So um, a lot of our volunteers, um, unfortunately, um, are unable to come in as well at the moment. So mm -hmm. we've been lucky. Most of, most of those that do come in have come in for the Real Junk Food project. But for the wider projects, um, a lot of the regular volunteers that we would have used for those events um, are either shielding or they have to come on public transport and they don't feel quite safe to do so yet. Mm -hmm. Going forward, we're kind of looking just to keep things safe for people at the moment. And all that is about, say, working with people. Are you able to take new volunteers at the moment or is that something that's also on hold? 
Uh, no, we've actually just launched our new mutual aid volunteering program. There we go. So people can actually get involved in all that's going on yeah. at the Gattis that is absolutely amazing. So how do people get involved with that? Okay, so um, if anybody's interested, um, the project's called our Morale Officer Project, and we're looking for people who may already be helping in their streets. So we're looking for the kind neighbours, um, the people who smile at their neighbours or help them get a bit of shopping or check in on their neighbours. We're looking for people who are natural helpers. Um, and if they want to sign up or find out more information, they just drop an email to Carol um, on her email address, which is gattiscommunityspace at gmail.com. So gattiscommunityspace, G-A-T-I-S at gmail.com and uh, you can uh, maybe be involved in some of the brilliant work that's doing uh, on, on the site, off the site, around the community and uh, so you're based just down here with Marines and I say it is an amazing facility and I know that uh, you, you and, uh, and Bill put your heart and soul into it as have many other people as well and it really is making a difference in the community and it just sort of shows the way a community can work together doesn't it? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's it, we were a bunch of friends who came together to take the centre over. Um, we're, we're just about to announce we've actually recruited three new directors in the last week um, from the local community to get more involved. Um, once you start pulling people together and doing good stuff, other good stuff happens. <laughs> well, give us the full website and give us how do we find the Facebook page and stuff. Okay, yep, just look for Gattis Community Space on um, the website is gattiscommunityspace.co.uk and Facebook for Gattis Community Space and we're on Instagram and Twitter too. And with projects uh, through, like the lanterns we saw last year, you know, there's some great uh, photos and, and other uh, things that you've done. There's loads of stuff online. Of course, there was that Queen's Award as well, which was entirely justified. And uh, we look forward to you being able to get to a bit more normal and uh, be able to do it a bit more. But obviously taking fantastic advantage of this downtime to bring the facilities into even better use for the community too. So congratulations on all of that. I think thanks go to the council for the work they do with you on it too. But uh, obviously we know that uh, it is the efforts that you and the rest of the volunteers put in that really make a difference down there. Thank you. Brilliant, <laughs> thanks for joining us. See you soon. Thank you. <laughs>Like many other businesses, Canuck Sound Hire has seen a drop off in its work due to the lockdown and the current situation, with some of the arts industry starting back up, but still a massive unknown around what is exactly going to happen between now and Christmas. There are still concerns. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Al Dawkins. Hello, sir. Good morning, Jason. How are you? I'm OK, thank you. I trust we find you well. Yes, very well, thank you, considering, yes, yeah. very well. Now, at the time of recording, um, there's been limited uh, government response to some parts of the entertainment industry. We've seen support for venues. Uh, there's been various uh, packages for some of those who either are self-employed or furloughed, but it hasn't covered everywhere. And when it comes to light and sound and many of the background roles with the industry, uh, the, you're still waiting for some sort of level of support. And obviously, things do not pay for themselves. Whenever any business uh, sets up to buy equipment, which is going to put on some massive events, you can plan for the weather. You have waterproof speakers, but a pandemic is rather more difficult to uh, take into account. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, this has took obviously every industry by surprise. Um, but the the event industry uh, is reported to be the, the worst hit 
uh, industry because we were the first industry to stop and we will be the last industry to return um, which we, we understand you know with, with the pandemic and health and safety and health is, is, is prominent you know that's the first thing um, but it's the support um, we need one thing or the other we either need support or we need work uh, we appreciate work is going to be difficult and it's going to be changing for, uh, for us but the support hasn't reached the supply chain um, the uh, venues um, they, they, they're going to receive a great share of this 1.57 billion um, that uh, Richard Shunak has uh, allocated for them but it's going to be uh, it's going to be high arts it's going to be the galleries it's going to be the the, the, the prestigious venues um, all the suppliers um, it, it just won't reach us mm. which is like having a, a hospital with no, no doctors it's it's just not reaching us on, on the ground level yeah, and there's obviously a number of people who have uh, yeah, been looking for the work, but obviously even that's been limited. So, you know, you, you, you're looking at trying to furlough someone. Uh, mm. It is difficult and doesn't always touch all parts of the industry. So it's a difficult time. Obviously, mm -hmm. there is small amounts of work out there. And I know you've been out illuminating things in various colours for both NHS and uh, Saving Theatre over uh, the last few months. But... That doesn't pay all the bills and it doesn't allow you uh, to uh, be able to, to, to cover off all of your costs. And yes, there have been some government grants. I know various companies have been able to take uh, part in that. There have been government loans as well that have been put forward. But equally, that, all that, you've got, still got to look at the long-term future of the business and know where you're going to be able to go. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Well, this industry employs between 600,000 and a million uh, workforce uh, nationwide, um, but 70% of those people are um, they're freelancers. Mm -hmm. So that unfortunately, they they haven't qualified for furlough. Um, and as we know, the furlough scheme is being reduced and removed uh, for October. Um, but still, we can't fully operate um, with indoor events um, due to government guidelines, which we fully appreciate. But we're just asking, you know, can we have one or the other? If 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 we if we can't work give us support so what we're asking for grants not loans i mean we've been offered the bounce back loan mm -hmm. um and you can take it but if you want to be fifty thousand pounds in debt um it's very good and it will help us but it's grants not loans that we need because we haven't got the work coming in as much as what we did to re fully repay it back so we, we need clarification where we're going to go and when things do start to, to pick up, uh, you know, it is, it is great to have you there. I know you've done some work through uh, one division of Canic Sound Hire, and that's your stage man side of things. But it's, it's only been limited and therefore doesn't cover anything like your normal level of work, which is festivals, events. I mean, we've worked in Wolverhampton on bonfires and, and some fantastic events in West Park over the years. And we still don't know where we're going to be with things like that. Well, indeed. Uh, I mean, our diary uh, at the beginning of the year was was fantastic we had um, a lot of work lined up all over the world even though we're just you know we were just a little business in Canuck we were very lucky we get to work with a lot of A-list celebrities uh, such as yourself um, but also including uh, who we worked with recently um, James Morrison, Jesse J, Billy Ocean uh, these are names, just to name just a few um, and every time we go there, we've got our Canuck Sound High, we're a local business and we're, mm -hmm. you know, we're promoting it. Um, but as, yeah, as soon as these uh, lockdown was announced, the diary just, dum, 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 it just all dropped down. So we have diversified because uh, diversity is the key, I believe, to opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a, a sub-trading division, which is stage men. 
Um, so it's more structural. Um, so we also provide the staging, uh, wooden chalets, wooden benches, picket fencing, uh, oak barrels. These are things which are geared up um, for outdoor events especially. And we've been very lucky that a few councils have taken um, a great initiative to create alfresco villages mm-hmm. um, where people can go and eat and mingle and uh, try to bring like the, you know, the back street to the high street. And they took that initiative, which is brilliant, and we've helped them, and we've—they've uh, helped us with work, um, and it's created uh, great jobs and, and great opportunities. Um, we just need more, more of those. We need more councils to look at their open spaces that they've got in these town centres, which have taken a big hit, and we need them to do something with that space. And if they contact us, we'll help them, we'll guide them, and we'll br- help bring the people uh, back into the town centres and, and, and get the help them get their economy going again. Yeah, because I mean, you're used to risk assessing a situation anyway, whether it be from looking at where you're putting a massive grey big cable through to ensuring people uh, are safe with uh, other parts of the equipment and stage building. So being COVID secure was just another step for you. Um, yes, it is. I mean, we, we, we're very proud to say that because we are very tight on health and safety, which we believe is a big key to us uh, in, in, in getting to where we are now, um, we, we, we appreciate and we can see where, you know, where there are ways that we can, you know, still get people in. Uh, to a city or a town uh, and keep them secure. Um, we um, using, uh, for example, picket fencing. You know, we can we can make it secure. We can keep containment, but in the same time, we can make it attractive. We can still keep keep that there. You, you know, you don't need big barriers with big hazard tape. You can do these things a lot more nicer. And it, yes, it's 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 just a great way to 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 encourage people back into the town. Let's get people spending because ultimately, if, if if the bubble bursts, that you know there are some industries doing very very well at the moment. But if that, in, if, if all these bubbles burst, people will be very very tight with, be very careful rather with their money, and this will have a have a have a knock on effect. And a lot of other businesses will not benefit from 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 that. Uh, the retail industry will, will suffer even further, and people will be very careful of their money. And that's going to affect everything from from just local shopping to you know do we buy a, a new house? Do we expand? There will be so many industries hit if we don't encourage people into the town, into the city centres for events, enjoyment, spending. That's what we need to do. Yeah, you need a socially distance as high a footfall as you can get, but knowing it's going to be reduced footfall. So either you need the person who's there to be able to spend more because it's what they want to spend it on, uh, or you need to be able to get a good cycle through of people and make it a, a good event and a safe space for them and give them that confidence. And uh, yeah, through things like the, the equipment that you're providing, and even the, you know, yeah, through through PA and and sound systems, that yeah, that can make a, a difference too. Uh, because again, if somebody knows what's going on, it give them confidence. So there's lots of opportunities there. If people do want to get in touch, what are your company details so they can actually talk to you, see how to make something like this work, and turn any open space into a, a safe, secure event space. Absolutely, thank you. Um, well, we've got our website, which is www.canicsound.co.uk. Um, that deals with all our audio, our lighting divisions, our power divisions. And then if you want us to help you with, uh, with structures, uh, then uh, contact us on www.stagemen.co.uk. And the telephone number which will hit the main office is 01543 503535.
we're all we're on all the social medias the twitters the facebooks the instagrams we're, we're out there as well but that, that's where you'll find us we're there well al always good to speak to you always fantastic to work with you full confidence in everything that you do and looking forward to being able to work on some events with you in the not too distant future fantastic together we'll come back stronger thank you jason thanks for the support Paul Baker from Diabolus in Musica also crafts some fantastic instruments as well as playing them with the amazing amount of skill that he has. He joins me now for a bit of a chat. Hello. Hello. So obviously uh, you are multi-talented as I mentioned. I have heard and seen you play a number of different instruments but every once in a while on Facebook something pops up and there's this tale of an amazing piece of uh, musical memories from sometimes many hundreds of centuries ago that you suddenly created. Uh, oh yeah there's um, I mean we, we, we play all, all sorts of time periods um, I mean we go back to medieval uh, on, on request uh, my specialism really is is Elizabethan, around about Shakespeare's day. Mm -hmm. But um, but we well, we go back further than that, and I I have even been known to do modern stuff like Victorian things. <laughs> so I mean, obviously you've got to have a favourite time period, and is that judged by the costumes as well as the sound of the music? Um, mainly the music. <laughs> um, the costumes are incredibly pretty, but it's. Um, it's really approachable, um, uh, late, late Elizabethan music. Um, it's where the first bit of what you might call folk music comes from in England, really. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there's, there's some absolutely glorious music. Um, the, the lute, of course, was um, ubiquitous. It was, it, it was a, a bit like... I was going to say the loop was a bit like a Walkman, but Walkmans have disappeared now. It's, it's a bit like your phone. Yes, you yes. want music, yeah. you plucked the loop off the wall and you played it. <laughs> I suppose, obviously, people had to be the masters of their own music at that time, though, or have somebody in the household who could play. And uh, yeah, was there normally a favourite child who was brought up to play the loop? Well, if you could afford it, everybody played the loop, really. It's a bit like, if, if you go back to about, about the Second World War, um, any group of people in a pub, somebody would probably play the piano. Mm -hmm. um, but even even then, of course, the radio was um, and, and and the record player were going, so that was beginning to die out. But if you go back another thirty years, First World War maybe, there'd be somebody that played something in a pub. <laughs> um, so, and the, you, you, you'd have sing-alongs because you know there was there was no artificial music, so you did it yourself. Uh, and that, of course, applies equally to the 16th century and the 15th, 15th and 14th centuries. But, but now, if it's a pub, it's normally you uh, that can play pretty much anything. And you can get a tune out of a table, let alone all the other stuff that you play. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there are still people that play things. Um, that they, the, 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 the best players, of course, tend to be obsessives, and they, you, you never see them down the pub. They're always <laughs> sitting in a back room somewhere. Um, looking up the, the latest um, the, the, the latest tune that they've just dug up from some 15th century source. <laughs> so, with your group, I mean, how do you find like-minded individuals to work with on this? Because uh, it's it's not exactly right up there in uh, the the iTunes chart, is it? When we uh, we look at some of the, the the fantastic music you're producing, it's one of those little niche things. You know, if you if you're a um, if you make model cathedrals from matchsticks, 
you will somehow find other people <laughs> that, um, that, that, that like making model cathedrals from matchsticks. Um, the general public would, 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 would never touch it, but there's, there's always a little, a, a little group somewhere. Um, the, the medieval and Renaissance music, of course, is a lot bigger than that. There mm -hmm. are thousands of people. There are, there are big societies um, for it, for uh, participating and listening. Um, so it's uh, it, it's quite quite a clique. And uh, the, the, one of the things that uh, that I, I have seen happen, uh, um, not quite not recently, over the past few decades, um, guitarists that take up classical guitar. Um, they spend about 10 years getting their technique right, and then they find that they gradually find out a lot of the music they really, really like playing wasn't written for the guitar, it was written for the lute. Um, <laughs> particularly John Dowland. So then they want a lute. And then when they get really nerdy and they've got the lute and they've played all the favourite music, then they discover the, the Spanish vihuela repertoire. Which is very, very pre um, it's 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 the nerd of the nerd, um, <laughs> and you you can play it on a lute. Uh, it was the, the, very popular in, in Spain, only in Spain in the 16th century. Yeah. Um, you can play it on a lute. It was really written for a thing called the vihuela, which is um, tuned like a lute but built like a guitar, okay. and that's where I come in. I, I don't make lutes. There are too many people making lutes. There's too much competition. <laughs> Believe it or not, um, but when when people start talking about really nerdy instruments like the viola or the the sitol or the or the gitten, that's where I come in. Okay, so what have you got around you at the moment? Because I know I think you were telling me is it a baroque guitar you've recently finished work on. Oh yes, this is one that's just about to go out. This will probably be last viewing in England. There it is. American customer, and he wanted it particularly pretty. Um, got a rather rather nice back, um, and I don't know whether I can get the rose close enough to the camera, but that is amazing. Is that is that there actual three D depth I can see there? Oh yeah, I mean you see modern guitars, um, all they do is they leave a hole, and they they, they put they put decoration around the hole, and some of the de decorations amazing. But uh, this is what they did in the in the, in the 18th century. They they created these deep deep roses. It's just multiple layers of parchment. Uh huh. And what I should now do is give you a tune on it. But unfortunately, I don't play the baroque guitar. Um, <laughs> I make them, but uh, <laughs> but playing them is uh, is other people's job. Okay. So have you got an instrument you can give us a little twang on there? Because I've seen you with the hurdy gurdy in the past. That's been quite a treat. <laughs> oh look. <laughs> The hurdy gurdy um, is uh, again, another one of those pieces of equipment because it's. We've talked about this in the past, and I know that it's really a bow instrument, but with a continuous bow. So it actually produces a sound the same way as a violin would. That is, there is your bow. So we've got, we've got a drone the same way that a bagpipe would have a drone, and then it turns yeah. into music when you play. That's right.
That was fantastic. Thank you very much. And there's a lot of tunes, uh, strings to tune there as well, aren't there? Only six. <laughs> but there's six. Like... If you play something like the Renaissance Theorbo, you've got close on 20. How do we find you and where can people get hold of you and your amazing skills of not only playing but also producing these, these instruments? The website's the easiest place, www.diabolus.org. That's D-I-A-B-O-L-U-S dot org. And uh, so find out about not only getting you to perform at any medieval event that you may have when medieval events are allowed again. I think they were suffering a bit with the plague or something back then, weren't they? So, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 they were used to a bit of quarantine. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. though, uh, you say there's all sorts going on. And if you are looking for a baroque guitar, you are the man. Or a kitten, or um, not lutes. I don't do lutes. Anything, but, uh, anything any, of that any, period but a lute. Yeah. That sounds good. The website has a page full of all sorts of exciting instruments that you've never heard of. Have a look at it. <laughs> and, and probably will need to do uh, quite a lot of YouTube videoing to, uh, to work out how to play. Paul Baker, Diablo and Musica, thank you for joining us. Thank you ever so much. somebody I know for his performance in Magic, on stage and so many other events beyond is Christopher Commander and he joins me now for a bit of a chat. Hello sir. Hello. Now how are we doing? Are you keeping out of trouble? What's going on in your world? Ooh, uh, oh that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, no I'm never keeping out of trouble. I'm <laughs> always in trouble. Uh, well I mean we're all we're all in the same world as of right now. It's just trying to keep us creatives gears turning mm -hmm. uh, so in terms of what's been happening goodness it feels like we've been in this for a decade so <laughs> i gotta I think back to the beginning uh i was in the middle of a period drama piece a terence rattigan piece when this all kicked off mm -hmm. and so i was in the middle of rehearsal and we got a call the next day saying don't bother coming into rehearsal tomorrow. We're not allowed in the theatres and everything's closed. And I was like, great, good. That's my livelihood gone for the next however long. And that was back when it was like, oh, it'll be over in two months. <laughs> yeah. um, so once that became evident that that wasn't the case, uh, I was getting, I was getting, I, I wasn't having my creative itch scratched. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I set out on a, uh, a a rather too ambitious journey, but it was fun. It's still going, but it's uh, it was it was big boots to fill. Um, Patrick Stewart was posting on Facebook every day uh, a sonnet, and I thought, oh, that's what a lovely thing. That's mm. beautiful. Um, what if I could do a uh, a theatre piece? that connected actors around the world. So the idea was born from that to do something called Separated Shakespeare. And uh, me and a couple of other actors and actresses got together. We would cut a scene. We would have, a, we would have a, a, an online rehearsal. And then we would film it live together. And, uh, and I would splice it together in an edited way, mm -hmm. which made it kind of look like we were in the same room, mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun. Um, so we're trying to drum up business sort of for that, just for the sake of, you know, we're all in the, we're all in the same boat, especially 
us actors, we're all just sort of stuck going, well, we can't do anything, so we'll have to create some stuff on our own. Um, so that was the first thing. Uh, I started with a couple monologues. You can find them on YouTube, mm -hmm. just saying. <laughs> uh, separated Shakespeare, you can find um, what the project was about. And I'm always still, I mean, we're still in this nonsense, so if anyone wants to come and do a scene with me, check out our stuff and then come and send me a message and uh, we'll, we'll do something, which will be fun. Because that's the idea. The idea was to reach out and uh, connect to people all over the world. The idea would be that an actor could work with someone that they haven't worked with before, or they could see a scene and they go, oh, I quite like that actor. Can I work with them? So the overall, what, what I'd love this empire to become would be is if someone were to go, oh, I quite like Chris's performance, or I like so-and-so's performance, and I would like to do a scene with him, those master files would be, would be available so someone could have my half of the scene and rehearse with me as though I was there and then edit it together and they could do their scene with that actor that they've never worked with before. Um, again, big boots to fill. There's a lot, there's like a lot to go wrong, but it was, uh, it's a fun experiment. Um, and it certainly keeps, you know, keep the mind fresh because you've got to learn lines. You've got to do what you would normally do. Uh, have a couple of rehearsals. Um, that was the first thing. The hmm. second thing um, is this, is this this wonderful set that I'm in. <laughs> wonderful Billy Shakes here. Um, I usually over the summer, I go over to the America, mm -hmm. the America, <laughs> uh, the Northern Americans, and uh, I work with a theater education group um, company, theater company, um, which educates people through Shakespeare. Yeah. So there's a main stage company show, uh, and then there's um, a second stage, and it's it's all about the tagline is transforming students' lives through theater education, and we do that over the summer uh, through Shakespeare's text. So people can work up the ranks. Uh, we'll get them introduced to all of the Shakespeare text. And then each summer, usually we do a play or two um, and a showcase. And you work up the ranks. So you start in like the small company and then you work your way up to the main stage. And then you get, by that time, um, you'll know if it's right for you and if you want to audition for the main stage company. Mm -hmm. uh, and by that time, you'll be well versed in uh, verse and prose <laughs> and, uh, and set building and knowing what it's like to go on a touring show. Because we don't have a theater, so it's all touring. It's all touring. And so um, even if, for instance, you don't go on to continue acting, you've got a, uh, an intricate base of, of knowing what it's like to change on a dime. Mm -hmm. And it's good to just have that in your repertoire going forward in life anyway, to know, like, oh, if I'm in a stressful situation, that I can just adjust and I can do something different. Um, that was almost zip zaps up for those of you who know it. Uh, and so usually over the summer, I go over and do that. But obviously, I'm stuck here. And we made the decision, the board of directors made the decision that it probably wouldn't be wise to bring me over. Um, and they wanted to keep me safe as well. They didn't want me on the plane with a whole bunch of people and yeah. uh, bringing all sorts of English contaminants over. Uh, even though, you know, well, who's to say who's worse for worse right now? It's difficult to tell. I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. Um, so we decided that we would do 
kind of an online class. So me and Sarah Wendy, who is another one of the uh, directors there, uh, associate directors, and um, we did a four-week intensive online course uh, over the course of the months prior, and uh, we got 18 students, 20 students to start with, then it's all windled down, and I think we were left with about 16 or so. Um, and so for the first three weeks, we went through all of Shakespeare's histories, mm -hmm. um, including Henry VIII. Uh, but we started chronologically uh, in terms of timepieces, not necessarily in terms of how they were written. Uh, we started with um, Richard II and went all the way through the Henry ads and all the way to Richard III. So they got, um, they got a really in-depth three-week intensive with us. They got Saturday and Sunday off, though. Mm -hmm. we weren't you were allowed on some time. Yeah, I know. Uh, so we did that. And then the final week, uh, out of all of the scenes that we'd gone through over the course of the past three weeks, we had them do a showcase. So they got to pick their scenes and they got to pick their monologues. And uh, we spent a week rehearsing, and then they did an online showcase, um, which you can find online at Project Shakespeare uh, on the YouTube channel. Uh, and we premiered it, and everyone got to sit and watch, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, it was the, you know, it was collective. It was a collective four weeks. Um, it was tiring, but it was good tiring. Uh, and what I was surprised with the most in terms of our students was the fact that, okay, we're going to get to Henry V eventually. Mm. And you've got all of the famous speeches. You've got the Crispin Day speech. You've got all of those. And then you get into Richard III. You've got, you know, you've got the opening speech. Uh, now is the winter of our discontent. You've got all of those beautiful speeches to pick from. But uh, I'm, quite I'm quite proud of our students, actually. When we went through the final scenes to pick their scenes and monologues that final week, uh, they, they found stuff that they loved in Henry VI, which is a surprise to me because that's a tough play. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's a tough three-part play, I should say. It's a, it's a long piece of work. Um, they, they, they fell in love with some of the Joan of Arc speeches. They got to see the progression of Margaret's character. Um, some stuff from Richard II. In fact... We only did one piece from 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 Henry V, and I was very surprised because I thought we were going to bump into you know there's 14 people, 16 people. They're all going to pick the the same one monologue. <laughs> Everyone want to do Crispin's Day or something, um, but no, they they found uh, they found loves and characters that I thought I I thought were irredeemable and all sorts of stuff. And it, it was a very proud moment to go. Okay, not only have we taught this in a way that they've understood it, but they have gone out and found a love for stuff that, that they didn't certainly didn't start off with. Some of them had been in Richard III and some of them had been in Henry V's because we'd, we'd done that a few, a few years back. Um, and I thought, oh, they're going to fall in love with that. But no, I was, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised and very proud. Well, Project Shakespeare sounds like you've had a great time with that. Where do we see that one online then? What's, what's the full web address? So you can find Project Shakespeare, the company, at projectshakespeare.org, mm -hmm. uh, an American company, so you'd be hard-pressed. But now that we're outreaching and doing online programs, you can have a one-on-one -on -one with me. We're doing uh, classes for, for um, schools all over the place. Um, and we want to see where this online program can take us, especially in this time.
But if you want to see the showcase and you want to see some other stuff that we've done, uh, you can find the Project Shakespeare YouTube channel on YouTube. Yeah, go, so go to YouTube and, and see that there. Now, there is so much more we could talk about. We're pushed for time today. We will get you back at some point, maybe to talk through a bit of your, your magic work as well and, and see what's going on there. Because I love the, the one show I managed to make it to for that. But uh, where do people find you? How do we track down Christopher Commander? Uh, you can track down me through through Facebook. I sort of use that for work uh, at Christopher Commander. Um, you can email me if you just want to chat <laughs> at uh, ccommagic at gmail.com. Um, yeah, uh, the easiest place would be to find me on, on Facebook. If you want to check out some of my work and some of my acting blogs, you can find that on my YouTube channel, which is also Christopher Commander. Uh, that's it. That's pretty much Search me and find me. Yep, that'll do the job. Chris, always good to speak to you. We must catch up in real life as soon as we're uh, allowed to and make it easy and see you at a show. But uh, thank you for joining us and good luck with the ongoing work that you're doing on Project Shakespeare. My pleasure. Thank you very much. The world of the spiritual has been something at the forefront of many people's minds, particularly during recent times. Somebody who I know has got a great interest in that is Kevin Crook, who joins me now. Hello, sir. Good morning, Jason. So uh, we've spoken in the past on, on many things, and not only uh, the uh, unfortunate condition you have with the terrible headaches you receive, but uh, also we've, we've talked to her around the world of the paranormal as well. And you've been part of a number of paranormal groups in your time and also have a, an interesting mediumship. Yes, I'm uh, currently running a new group now called mm -hmm. Lotus Hope Events Paranormal, which... Uh, with COVID and everything, it's sort of slowed things down, but we're hoping to get back up before the end of the year. Yeah. So what sort of things do you work on there? And, and, and is it investigation solely, or are you also talking to people uh, about uh, their lives and, uh, and what's gone before? Well, we're pretty much open to anybody. If somebody contacts us and says they've got problems and issues at home, we'll, we'll go and investigate that. We've, we've done a couple of premises where they have some strange goings on. And we've gone and uh, actually helped and calmed things down for them and uh, reports back saying that they have, they've had no more activity since we've been in there, which is always a good thing, calmed it down for them. Uh, we've got a couple of other premises we've got to go to in a couple of weeks' time when things settle down. But yeah, we, we investigate old buildings and basically anything. If somebody's got problems or issues, they'll contact me and if I can help them, I'll go and help them out. Because yeah, I mean, we've been on uh, a number of investigations, and I've done this purely as a sceptic, and uh, you know that uh, I still have a, an open mind for a sceptic, but uh, it's mm -hmm. been interesting having a look around some uh, interesting sites of the past. Uh, I mean, we, we've been through Molyneux, we've actually been through the, the New Hampton Arts Centre and the studios of WCR. So uh, it is interesting to see what other people pick up uh, around those sites, and in particular, I mean, two big venues in Wolverhampton, and both of them have had uh, interesting history. So there is always something to, to, to pick up, and it, it is interesting to see what people get from that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's, it's always nice if, if somebody from the venue has had, had something happen around them. Mm -hmm. It's always nice to reaffirm that sort of thing, and, and if you get the same thing occurring on the night, so it's always a bonus. And as you know, as you said, the WCR, we, you put that plaque up on the wall. And someone explained reason it flew across the floor, didn't it, if you remember? Yeah. 
and and, uh, and odd things happen. And uh, so it's, we, when we were at Molyneux, we were talking to uh, one of the uh, the team who had seen something in in, in one of the rooms there. And uh, it it is always difficult sometimes for people to to understand what is happening. Always wanted to put it down to something paranormal. So let's say someone who is skeptical, um, like myself, you know, it it it's it's seeing that evidence, but still getting the feeling that there is something going on. Yeah, we we like to get. I mean, we, we love skeptics to come on our events, and we we've had we did sort of events at uh, the Manor House in West Bromwich, mm-hmm. middle of last year, and this guy was says, "I'm open minded, pretty much like yourself." He says, "But." Unless he comes and tangos me and slaps me around the face, I won't believe it. And we had such, such events happen on the night. He, he saw he saw a, a figure in front of him. He says, oh, that's the trick of the light. And then he was touched on the shoulder. And he says, well, nobody's standing by me. He says, that was a physical touch on my shoulder. And hence to say, he went away less sceptic and when he, when he came. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's always nice when something happens like that. I mean, mm-hmm. as you know, I, I try and get them to interact with people as much as I possibly can. And uh, if, they, if they do, it's always a bonus because they know it's nobody else interfering, especially if they touch them and nothing suggested. Yeah. And then uh, if they touch them in a certain place and nothing suggested, and there's nobody around them, it's hard for them to scientifically rule it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, they, yeah. and then they go away scratching their heads <laughs> thinking, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, even, and if it happens, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be effectively a physical touch. It could be the, the body's interpretation of an energy which is there. And it might, you know, it, it, it is um, always interesting in our world around us, the things that, that do go on. And we can't explain so much of it. There is an awful lot that we don't understand. Uh, I mean, yeah. science can't cover off how gravity works yet. So uh, something that is such an integral part of our lives, who knows what else is there and, and how time and space work around us. It is all something which is still very much uh, an ongoing investigation from a physics point of view, let alone uh, one uh, around the, the paranormal events and, and things that many, many thousands of people see across the world each day. Yeah, it'd be a boring place if everything fitted into a box and that's it, you could explain everything away. It'd be a boring place to have something what's unexplainable. I think it's always keeps people's minds curious. Could there be something else? Could be something different? Until you get that scientific proof that no, there ain't, or yes, there is. Or, or you're always going to have people on both sides of the fence, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And with, yeah, yeah. With, with, with what you do when you're out and about, you're using science as much as possible to record yeah. uh, things like uh, obviously video cameras. We've seen on TV uh, some of the uh, the EMF uh, yeah, reading devices and things as well. So there's there's a lot of, of science that actually goes into this, which uh, makes it intriguing from my point of view. Yeah, def- definitely. We're trying, we always try and debunk things. If, so, if, so, if a knock happens or something else, well, what's the reason? Is it the, is the room quite calming down? Has somebody knocked something, something moved, somebody at the floorboard? Don't automatically assume it's got to be something spiritual or a ghost. So it's always good to have an open mind, even if you're a believer, mm-hmm. to try and think, well, what could it be? And if you can explain it away, and I always try and do that, if I can explain it away, I'll do so. If I can't explain it, and somebody who's sceptical can't explain it, then we start to think, well, what the hell was it? Mm-hmm. 
and, that, that, and that's the point at which you've got something to to investigate further and see what you can yeah. do to to find maybe the history of a place to see what could be uh yeah it's however this works whatever this crossover is that uh, is actually going on so where can people go to find out about your work and if they do have uh, a site that uh, it would be worthwhile you taking a look at how do they get in touch well we've got a facebook page which is lotus wolf events paranormal i'm also i've got lotus wolf events which uh, there's, there's a couple of page, facebook pages there uh if they want to contact myself personally my, my name's kevin crook uh, if they want to contact me on a professional side, I've, I've got another page which is Kev Wolf Readings, which if they want to do something private, I can do that as well. So I so connect people with, with, with lost ones as well. Well, obviously yeah, there's, a, there's a lot going on there through Lotus Wolf events and uh, the work that you do. You're able to uh, talk people through, uh, sometimes it's a difficult situation, if something they need answers to and they feel there is something there. Obviously, this is open to everyone, as we say, uh, sceptical and those who believe uh, alike are people you're more than happy to talk to. And uh, so you, you have an open mind from both sides as well, which is what I always find interesting and refreshing when we're talking about these things. For now, though, Kevin Crook, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason, for having me. Look forward to speaking to you soon. With the museum launched to look at the life of Duncan Edwards and the world that he lived in and has taken over since his passing in the Munich air disaster back in the 50s, the great event that happened last week has opened up the doors to a brilliant venue. Rose Cook Monk joins me now to tell me more. Hello. Morning, Jason. How are we doing? Yeah, really good, thank you. Now, we had a, a brief telephone chat before the event itself, and uh, uh, from what you've told me, it all went wonderfully well, which is brilliant news. It was... It, I couldn't have wished for it to be any better, actually. The uh, the Murphy family, who's Jimmy Murphy, who was Matt, uh, Matt Busby's assistant, did the official opening, and they were just absolutely thrilled, as was the, the Edwards family as well, so... It was just a, a really, really proud day for us all. So uh, what uh, was the, uh, the highlight? Because uh, I know you've been putting a labour of love into this uh, exhibition and uh, we've got the recreation of the family front room and that must have been interesting. Were there any members of the family who would have remembered that or at least have seen photos? Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, Duncan's cousins, you know, it, they said it was like stepping back in time and um, it, was, it was just such an emotional day for a lot of people, you know, not only the Manchester United fans that have travelled down, but for the family of both the Edwards and the Murphys, because they, it was a long time ago that the crash happened and Duncan was lost, but it is still so fresh in their minds, it was, it was like yesterday, and all the memories came flooding back for them, and a few tears were shed, and it was magical. So you're placed over the Black Country T-shirt shop uh, in Dudley. So how do people find you and what do they do to, to come down and uh, get involved in seeing the fantastic exhibition you've got down there? Yes, it's in, the exhibition is in Castle Street. So where Duncan's statue is in the, uh, the main market square, it's literally just a few yards down the road in the row of shops on the left-hand side, and it's above Black Country T-shirts. So if you go in, um, you will see the stairway to heaven, which is our stairway up to the museum that, that holds all the names of the 23 people that was lost in the Munich air crash. It's free to get in, and the reason I've had it free to get in is that I want 
people to be able to come and see his story and, and hear about his life. And if you've got two or three children, even if it's two or three pounds to get in, that's a lot of money out of your weekly budget. And also, it's not my story to tell, I'm just the storyteller. And so much of the memorabilia has been donated to me. So I thought it was the fair thing to, to have it so it's open for everyone. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, because of the COVID guidelines that I have to follow, you can only come by appointment only, and that's so that I can keep a, keep an eye on how many people are in the room at any one time. So to do that, you can contact me at rose at duncanedwardsfoundation.co.uk, or you can join us on Facebook, which is Duncan Edwards Foundation. Just drop me a message of uh, when you'd like to come, and I'll actually make sure that I'm there to tell you the story. And so you, you are uh, uh, used to telling such amazing tales. I know you've done some great work on uh, Billy Wright in the past as well. And uh, there is you know, such a, a passion for these names. And uh, as I say, you mentioned the Stairway to Heaven. It, it isn't just a story of Duncan Edwards, although obviously he's the, the local lad who uh, you are remembering and uh, being able to tell that bit of his life. But it is about that bigger picture as well. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be many people flocking from all over the UK and the world to come to see this. I have got bookings. I, I in fact, um, early this morning, in the early hours of the morning, I was talking to on Messenger someone from Australia, and of course, they there's no international flights from there mm. at the moment. But he said as soon as um, as he's able to, he wants to fly to the UK. He wants to come to Dudley, and then he will make his way up to Old Trafford. But you know, to to hear someone say, I have to come and see this and they live around the other side of the world. It's just, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, uh, it's... Uh, it, congratulations again. I, say, I wanted to talk to you today to, to really uh, just get across how well that uh, first opening event had gone. And uh, if people are going to come and see this, as you say, it's going to be done in a safe manner at the moment. And uh, we're looking forward to maybe some easing as things improve in our situation and you can welcome more people through the doors. But at the moment, the way it's going to work means they will get some great one-on-one -on -one time and you have the chance to talk through the exhibits. I know they'll be marked up, there'll be uh, pieces uh, about each thing there, but it really comes to life when people tell the story and, and that's what keeps Duncan's name and those are the others who sadly lost their lives alive, isn't it? Yes, and, and I have done it as a storybook, really, because um, it's not particularly aimed at children, it, it's, it's Duncan's life done it in a way that I'm able to walk them round and tell them the story and I think I've done it in a way that will that will be interesting to children as well so we have we do have the living room set up um, and I tell them a little bit of, of history about the year that Duncan was born mm -hmm. so he was born on the 1st of October 1936 it was the year of the abdication when our country had three kings mm -hmm. so I tell the children that um, and hopefully they will remember then when Duncan was born and associate it with a, a very important part of our of our national history as well and the, the school the school setting where Duncan went to school to schools here in Dudley I've done it in a way that I can interact with the children and they can sit at his desk and so, yes, it is. I, I do walk them round the, the museum and then I let them go and, and, you know, look at the exhibits themselves. But it is a story. It's a, it's a living storybook and that's 
what I've tried to create. So you are at Castle Street in Dudley over the Black Country T-shirt shop. Where do people go to to book their time slot with you? If they go onto um, my Facebook page, which is Duncan Edwards Foundation, or you can email me at rose at duncanedwards.co.uk, or you can have a look on our website as well, which is Duncan Edwards Foundation, and you can book a time slot through there. Well, Rose Cookmonk, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the work you put in and keeping the, alive the memories of those who have sadly lost to us in the Munich air disaster. Thank you. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Back with episode 583 next week. I look forward to seeing you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.